Coming live from Long Island City, Queens, USA is our guest this evening. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Asher Lobb, electric violinist, composer, producer, and live performer, and he also has a deep Bollywood connection through his music. Welcome to the show, Asher. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Great, great. It's a, it's a great pleasure to have you on the show, Asher. And a lot of people know about violin. They know about music. They uh, will also like to know about what a dancing uh, violinist is and what it takes to become a dancing violinist. So, but before that, let me... Uh, you know, play your reel uh, so that they can know uh, straight away from you uh, through your reel itself. And and then we can ask more questions about it. This is a bit of an introduction for you, for the Indian audience, especially though this show is a global show, it's going all across the world, but I'm sure Indian audience will especially love this. So let's go and listen to this. You also listen it as a second person. Here is the man himself. You know, you, it looks so great, so lovely, and fantastic. But you know, Asher, thanks. If it were, if it were not for your resolution, resolute willpower, this would not have happened. Because 2014 was different. When you faced a nightmare, when you confronted health challenges, and that impacted your mobility. And you refused to accept defeat. You re rebuilt your musical prowess to a new level. And this inspired you to re reinvent yourself as a dancing violinist. And in only a few months, you learned to merge hip-hop, pop, EDM, rock, and other genres with break dancing and acrobatic choreography. And now, this li uh, your live performance now reflect your unstoppable unstoppable spirit and joy. This is the aspect I wanted to bring 
to the Indian audience, to the world, to whoever is watching this and will watch in the future. That behind every story, there is another story. And that is the real story, which can inspire a huge number of people, perhaps a whole lot of generation, whole lot of musicians. And that is where you must share about it a bit so that people can know how, what it takes to, you know, to reinvent oneself when faced with challenges, especially health challenges. And it almost threatens to take away the very thing that you almost, you know, live for. Please, over to you. Sure. Uh, well, everything sort of happened naturally after I regained my strength. And it was sort of a no-brainer for me to reinvent myself as a violinist, transitioning from just improvisation, standing on a stage to more high-energy productions with, uh, uh, you know, in, in choreography or along with uh, breakdancers. And uh, the, the natural part of that was the, the need to just live and find joy and to not really be concerned about other, what other people think and just be able to express myself with every ounce of energy that I have, because that, that uh, every ounce of energy that I have wasn't, isn't a guarantee. Uh, it's not a guarantee that, that, um, you know, I, I, every breath that I breathe, I, I should feel fortunate. Um, every gig that I play is a blessing. Um, this interview is a blessing. Um, and every opportunity that comes my way, most people don't really know my story. Um, the, the interviews that I do, I, they tend to know, such as yourself, because um, I, I think it's incumbent upon me to share the story. Otherwise, what was the point? What was the point of the whole episode? Uh, you know, facing adrenal insufficiency. Uh, it, it had to have had a purpose. So um, I've sort of overcome that fear, that anxiety over of, of, of sharing a pretty dark part of my, my past uh, and kind of shifted it to shifted my frame of mind into how can I help other people with their own challenges? How can I inspire other people to maybe not follow the status quo, what other people, what other experts are telling them they're capable of and uh, think outside the box a bit. And that's essentially what my career is all about. Right, right. But how did it come to your mind? I'm asking this question for, you know, for the reinventing part. People think that once they are doing something and that is, you know, almost threatened or challenged by events, circumstances, whatever it is, then how do they think of something around it and in a perhaps better manner? So, how did it come to you that uh, being a violinist and threatened with a health challenge, you can uh, do something around it and better yourself by learning things around it and that you don't need to leave it. And then that is where uh, the dancing violinist, violinist was born. So how did this work with you? So, so for starters, it, it came pretty naturally. Uh, I obviously have to practice to coordinate movements with music, with notes, but I, I, I've been a really active kid uh, prior, prior to that, you know, I'm going to say even college. Uh, so throughout middle school, high school, I was playing en endless sports and uh, most more, no most notably uh, gymnastics. So doing flips and that kind of stuff, those types of activities were pretty much second nature for me in many respects. So it wasn't too difficult to, to learn the foot movements, although I did have the assistance of, you know, these amazing dancers with me, you know, in the studio working with me to help me coordinate those movements. But yeah, so we obviously had to, uh, to rehearse. Um, and I always have to rehearse when I, I, I can't just do that stuff on the fly. <laughs> I don't think anybody can. Um, but, but yeah, I sort of married two, two of my past, you know, violin, which, which I started to, so it's sort of like do that stuff in my sleep and, and gymnastics, which I can do pretty, pretty easily too, just from, from years of, of uh, practice. Okay. So I, I don't know if that answers your question. Right. Right. So let me ask you uh, a bit of it from uh, right now. Then again, I will ask you in another manner. Uh, after going through this or seeing life 
in such a manner uh people who are uh in your line musical line independent artists indie artists what would you tell them when either they are faced with such sort of a challenge as well as if there is any other of challenge and they are thinking of you know what line i have come into it's better i should have gone into marketing that should i i could have become the ceo or whatever and you know they it, it is general tendency of a human you start regretting sometimes repenting what would you tell the serious musicians people who actually have a deep passion for music what would you tell whenever there is a challenge Well, so I I want to be I I don't want to mislead people. I I do want to be realistic when I when I present the kind of the the challenges uh of being a musician, being an independent musician, uh being also being being encountered with different contracts and opportunities. Uh you need to be more than just a musician. Uh you have to have a a clear head on your shoulders. You have to know how to you have to understand the business aspects of of being a performer, being hired. um you have to know how to negotiate your own contracts but <clears throat> if you got a good head on your shoulders and you have the capability of being a ceo of a company then you probably are able to manage uh, also you know just applying that to being an independent musician uh but it's but it's it, you need both you you need many many skills and you need to I, i'm constantly wearing many hats throughout my day uh and practicing those skills and being challenged uh with ma- the math the the data driven um uh organization and and conceptualizing where my career is 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 leading me uh it's not just the music that's actually a I'm not, not going to say a tiny percentage maybe like I don't know a third of, of what I have to do each day the contracts uh the the negotiations the collaborations i mean you got to you got to not relate to people it's just a whole if if you feel if you have if you feel confident that you have the skills to be a ceo plus you're a good musician then go for it uh you have a better chance than most okay okay so let's now go to the violin part of your career you started uh, you know learning classical violin training just at the age of 2 who was instrumental into this that you learn violin and 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 not no, not any other instrument how did that happen and how uh, do you remember anything at, from that point in time you know i don't have an amazing memory when it comes to just like faces and and experiences although i do it is pretty strong when it comes to music but when it comes to my childhood i remember things like it was yesterday uh maybe because i've run those memories through my mind repeatedly with love and and just uh appreciation for my for my my upbringing that being said it was not an easy uh it wasn't exactly a cakewalk with respect to starting that young uh my mother obviously was was the main influence my old, who she claims my oldest brother uh who I looked up to 6 years older playing concertos and then my aunt she lives in the Boston Symphony so I've had a number of musical influences that have uh directed me in the violin path okay okay and didn't you uh I, i'm sure you you don't remember much of it but uh people have a general tendency to go towards you know those uh other instruments like being a guitarist and you know more into that that sort of a culture so uh didn't didn't never come to you that listen now i know about violin but maybe i should go for you know something much more uh people want to be associated with uh while violin is a very difficult instrument uh to if i if i if i uh, understand from my perspective it's diff- it's difficult uh not only emotionally and co- and and cognitively and psychologically but physically and, and it took a real toll it's taken a real toll on my body uh, and i'm not a very um i'm not a very muscular person or at least strong i've built up my body over the years but um yeah it's it's a very challenging instrument it's not it's not like you know the turntables djing even playing piano uh a bit less strenuous um guitar and drums were definitely first on my list my mother would not have it <laughs> so uh and, and it's funny cuz what goes around turn comes around my I, my son wants to play drums and I'm I'm not really looking for 
for noise in the house. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm grateful in retrospect. But it was a pretty uh, pretty challenging journey. Uh, we're talking like good 15 years until I really came around and started to appreciate the instrument. Had I grown up in India, somewhere, you know, I I might have had a, a different appreciation or love. You you, China would be, also. you would you would be perhaps an engineer or a doctor, perhaps. Uh, no, if if I had, I probably would have been more passionate about the violin. But yeah, possibly a, a doctor too. Well, I happen to have a nursing, yeah, I happen to have right. a nursing degree, uh, which I, I'm non-practicing. I'm doing music full time, but that is a side note. Right, right. So your mother look looks like she had a good bit of understanding because you went into classical violin training. Now that that actually meant that. Your mother was laying the foundation of your future uh, musical career, music career. Yeah, um, my 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 mother was without knowing it. Uh, she did not intend for me to become a, cla a a classical or a professional musician by any stretch. It was supposed to be something important in terms of mind development of a child, because it's as we know the research, but. But she, you know, she wanted me to, to, to be a physical therapist or whatever. You know, I, I don't say this in the pejorative, but I get it. Every mother wants a stable job for their child. And right. what, what it came down to me for in the end was passion and joy. Yeah. And, and it chose me. The career chose me because it was paying the bills already. Right. And then how did that transition towards the professional side of it happen? Like, when did you realize or your mom realized that you have got into you that you can make this your career though do, though you did a course in uh, you studied nursing i guess uh i saw i have three degrees in the sciences actually that's a lot of plans backup plans. Yeah, a lot a lot of plans and, and i implemented them you know i was a teacher i taught 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 the sciences for four years and uh bachelor's in bio and yeah i definitely finished all those degrees and everything. Uh, but, but, uh, then everything came back to music and music was where it started when I moved to New York. So. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. But, but so I, I, I chose it as a career to, to answer your question. Uh, once it, it had already chosen me, once I had already been earning an income, it was sort of like, okay, I'm earning a full income now. What do I do? <laughs> do I go into another, get an, so I, I did, I went into it to, to get other degrees from NYU uh, while I was working my way through music and then I like graduated and I was like, I just moved back into music, which is sort of like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, right. here I am. Why, why I'm asking you this Asher is that people, some people are multi-talented. They can be good in studies. A lot of people in India, uh, they are very good in, uh, studies. They have good careers and then they are also good in music. Then they think they are in a dilemma to follow your heart or to follow uh, your bank balance. Sometimes, you know, the needs of uh, our is also there. There is the family. There are so many uh, things to take care of. So how did it come to you that though, okay, I need to go into music that this can take care of me that you knew that you can produce original music and, and then you made that shift. Well, uh, with the, bl the blessing of my, my wife, uh, quite frankly, okay. if she had not given me her blessing and actually encouraged me, oddly enough, even knowing full well, like, you know, we got major bills, like a mortgage, kids. Uh, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't have considered it. Uh, I, in fact, I, I pushed, I, I kept uh, reconsidering, you know, I guess taking the perspective of, well, maybe I should just be you know, practicing as a nurse or, or a teacher, which is. Uh, but, but my hours were just so long and I was working so hard and I figured, you know, I'm already earning money in music. And even if it is significantly more difficult for me to ramp up my income and to keep it stable, why don't I do just do something? I'm just kind of having fun every day. Um, and that's sort of where, where it kind of came about. And I guess that's, a, there's a movement in that direction for people to be sort of independent and sort of online, have an online presence. And, and I guess it's just more or less becoming sort of a saturated market, the online influencer. But I had sort of already built up uh, reputation and, and connections. So uh, I, I guess you could say, oh, you know, everything's, uh, you're in a trial period still, you know, if I want to kind of shift back, uh, if this completely fails, 
which it it almost did during the pandemic because uh, my income dropped by two thirds. Uh, I I, st- I still didn't do it. I still continued uh, doing the music path. So I don't know what it takes. Maybe it'll take an earthquake for me to stop. Right, <laughs> right. And then you came out with your own composition. So what uh, inspired you? Which were which composers inspired you? Performers. And then you came down to composing your music around that. Sure. Uh, so Neon Dreams, which you just uh, played in my, uh, my reel uh, in the beginning of this interview, that 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 was one of my first uh, kind of like big productions that that kind of landed me on the the, the concert stages, and uh, I'm really proud of that one. It's just it's just a lot of fun. Uh, so that's a song that I'm gonna say there aren't too many artists that are producing that kind of music. It's not straight up EDM or Electra House, and it's not straight up classical. It's a blend between the two. So there, there's a few artists that are doing that. Um, I, I like to think that I'm kind of in the mi- minority of minority uh, of artists, uh, kind of focusing on, on blending the two genres and doing it for a reason. Uh, so what drives me with the original music is that I can't find anything really like this or not much of it uh, in the in, in the cover realm. And I, I kind of got tired of playing covers that were popular, but, but, you know, just, just, just because they're popular uh, when, when my listeners were kind of looking for more. So I still do covers and covers are still valuable and important to my listeners, but I have a lot of other music in my head that I'd like to share. And Atlantis uh, most recently is, is an example of that. And um, I, you know, I'm going to be embarking upon like a, an original version of uh, the Lord of the Rings medley which very much lends itself to my listeners. Cause it's like, okay, it's, it's out. People are loving it and enjoying it, but I'm going to provide a little bit of a different perspective, more violin centric, a little bit of an electronic vibe instead of just purely uh, orchestral. So I'm, I guess I'm just bringing in my own unique background and uh, blending it, the different genres together for, for listeners. Uh, but within the Bollywood realm, uh, that I want to tell you what introduced the dancing violinist was a South Asian uh, demand. Uh, I, I, I'm, and actually, I didn't answer your question originally when you were asking, okay, what kind of gave birth to this concept? That I, I, I was initially booked by a, a, a producer, uh, I guess an event planner. And, and she said, okay, we're looking for this kind of concept. And I hadn't done it before. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. So I got into the studio with a bunch of dancers, really talented dancers, and I didn't and 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 we 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 shot our first music video. You can check it out on YouTube. But that's that's where the demand started, and then it, we kind of uh, had other opportunities. And and actually, come to think of it, I I hope to get more into it because I, I've been dabbling in many different types of uh, performance um, aspects of the violin, and not just not just Bollywood dancing. You know, I'm not, I'm not like a Bollywood dancer. I'm a, you know, I, I'm going to say a little bit more in the Michael Jackson realm. And and how do you decide which cover to do? Because you have done quite a number of uh, Bollywood covers. Uh, and which one are you doing next? Well, um, I really like the Rods and Lambion release, which you can also t- see on different platforms, um, especially on YouTube. Shout that out in Maui. Um that's just that was just beautiful melodic uh, kind of like emphasizes the 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 wood and the, be- the beauty of the violin also uh, with that solo. What's my next cover? Um, I I have a few. I, I don't. I I think I, I what I try to do is I try to work on on a few songs and then I release the best one, the best sounding one. I I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve that one for um, for for when it's actually in production. So I'm in the midst of three at the moment so we'll see sorry sorry i can't answer that question yet <laughs> no no problem no problem but we look forward towards that that and yeah. some of the covers i will certainly put it on the youtube description so that people you know uh, can reach to that especially you know about the Shahrukh khan oh. song and all i liked it i i listened to that and i listened to some more i'm not a music expert i just know uh, i understand uh, if it's good, that's it. What what it can it can touch my heart. And most of your music, whatever I've heard, all have been fantastic. I can tell you. Uh, 
and i'm not not just uh, telling you just to make you happy it actually is you know and that's why people who have just joined it you know they i would like to play your reel once again for them to actually you know who i'm talking to who this person is all about and what this his music is all about it may be repetitive but i don't mind uh, you know it it's not some sponsored air time or something like it's it's air time for the heart so let's go once again okay once again in this big interview with the dancing violinist asher lob so asher we were talking about you know about your music now you say that through your music uh, you are working to influence societal norms and conventional thinking about musical performance and helping to break down social and physical barriers what do you mean by this and this sounds very inspiring can you explain it for our audience Well, uh, I'm going to say that you know, big money is pushing certain concepts, certain certain messages, and certain. I'm going to say uh, present like musical presentations on the big stage, and what I'm bringing uh, to the stage to my my listeners is something that I believe is quite a bit different. I think objectively is quite a bit different than what is typically listened to on the radio and what's most popular now. Um, and there's a demand for it. You know, not everybody wants to be told what lyrics to run through their head on repeat. <laughs> and not everybody wants to be told what to think, what cool looks like, um, what badass looks like, you know, or that that it's necessary to be that. Um, you know, the, the messages that we feed our kids. You know, I, I have a 10 year old. He tells me my my sip, my. <laughs> My peers, my friends, they're all listening. They enjoy your music. They listen to your stuff on Spotify. They all know, all know who you are. I'm like surprised. And I think like, you know, there's some there's some responsibility on my end that these are, the, you know, young kids, obviously adults are listening, but young kids are more impressionable. So it's incumbent upon me as, first of all, a parent, as a musician, as somebody who's a former teacher to, to, to teach kids that just by example, that uh, the idea of cool, the idea of of um, you know what is good music, the messages that are being relayed to them. 
th that they're they're absorbing you know this is an opportunity for me to to influence them in a positive way to give them good messages positive messages um and i i i think that that's one example of influencing society and societal norms another one would be uh and again the, the other one that i mentioned initially which is the lyrics i think that that people in the case of atlantis that this uh original song that i that i just released right. <clears throat> check it out on major platforms that's a song that it's got a sophisticated edge but it's also still catchy so it doesn't have to be like this kind of dumbed down mindless uh song on repeat it can still be catchy it can still be danceable uh but still have a sophisticated edge and still have something that people can appreciate the musicality and that, that i think that's another thing i'm sort of bringing to the table and that's a, one of the more complicated songs but if you look at neon dreams that's more or less pretty simple it's a simple pro chord progression uh, more more or less so that's just that's 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 another kind of thing that i'm bringing to the table um i'm also multi i'm also approaching the multicultural uh vantage point of of musical production so i'm reaching out to south asian communities um it, israeli uh people across europe the united states canada um i'm not limited uh by okay what <clears throat> what a label is telling me I need to present in my music. I, I strongly believe in bringing cultures and religions together uh, under one roof and, uh, and by extension, giving people an appreciation for each other. And I think that's the beauty of what, and I think it's an obligation uh, uh, that, that musical producers such as myself have. I think it's our job to bring people together. And uh, that, that's, that's what I'm doing. That's great. That's very inspiring, Asher, especially, you know, from a young musician like you, and especially to the young generation. Because if they know that uh, good music has a good future, then they can certainly look into it as, a, as something to, you know, make it their career. Because uh, creativity is something, as we get more into artificial intelligence and all that machine learning and everything, Creativity is something that will actually make us continue to feel human. That's what I feel. I, I agree with that. And uh, yeah, the human quotient, the human touch, that's it's pretty important. We don't want to just feel like, okay, robots are controlling everything and running everything. Although I'd like to have a robot house cleaner. That's <laughs> a different thing. You know, it's, it's <laughs> like if you use technology, till then it is fine. If technology starts using you, that's where the problem begins. And that's, that's, right. we got to, that's where we got to be aware of it. It's like fire. Yeah. You use fire, uh, it can help you a lot. It can do all the great wonders that has happened in the past and all the blunders also that has happened in the past and also happening in present and will continue to happen. So that's, that's oh, something. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and and that's a microcosm of what's what's about to happen with AI. You just you just listen to, to some of the things that Elon Musk has mentioned, and it's just yes. uh, the possibilities are endless. But we have to be careful. Uh, yes, I mean it's already yes. there. It's already here. You know, it's not like going to happen in a few years. It's it's here. You know, it's not necessarily in our homes in every aspect. Yes. But yes, <clears throat> and and that's that's a huge debate that that's happening. I keep on asking. You know, every tech person. That I talked to recently, I was talking to uh, the technical advisor to the CTO of Microsoft. And in that interview, and also again, a machine learning top guy, CTO of another company, I asked them the same question. If, if machines are learning about humans, then what are humans doing? What are they learning? Have they forgotten humanity? Or should they re remember to remember remember to learn humanity? Should they remember empathy again? That's the type of. But I do keep on. I'm, I will keep on asking this question. For me, technology should always be an enabler. But if you dabble in technology, like you know, then then that's a different different thing. Yeah, and and I'm so glad that you're that you're emphasizing that message because I think it's it can be easily forgotten. And uh, it's, uh, what, do, what do we have over AI if it isn't empathy, if it isn't our humanity, um, our creative, well, we don't even have creativity over AI in short order. I mean, AI can, can beat us in chess. Um, like <laughs> there's creativity there. 
so yeah, it, we, if, we, if we lose empathy, if we lose love, that's something that no, we have nothing over AI. We got nothing. Right. Right. And, and talking of music, learning abilities and talking of music this technology is making everybody a singer. A lot of many people are becoming singers just because of the technology. I don't know whether to be happy about it. If I, <laughs> if I, if I sing, perhaps I will be happy. But I see it's happening a lot in Bollywood. And you know, you never know what, what to do with that. Because sometimes you like the music, but then you don't like the concept of this, you know, robots and art, all those technology helping you to create music. And, and others who are, I don't think even their voice is good enough, they suddenly become great singers because of technology. But you can't do, you, can, you, you just have to be on the middle ground and just see, you have no control about it, you can only have your views, these are personal views, you keep it to themselves. And then you just avoid it, that's it. You know, it's great that people, that everybody's expressing themselves, everybody and, and their mom and their cousin. Uh, you know, it's important. It's important. Music, music is obviously a valuable tool for, for people just as, a, as an outlet, emotional outlet, uh, just feel good about the, their lives. Um, I, uh, but as far as like the leading performers, um, I, I, I want to say, you know, as a, as a longtime class musician uh, about like people that need auto tune live and are literally a ch chart topping artist. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I guess people are going to listen to who they want to listen to. I'm not, I, I'm not a fan of like big money pushing non-talent uh, or mediocrity, but uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything I can do about that. <laughs> right. You see in DL, when you do like you at the age of 30, uh, 13, uh, you, you, it, it was your first formal concert with Buffalo Phil, Phil, Philharmonic. You know, those are the things people go for when they want to see real musicians, real performers doing things in real, no lip syncing, you know, no, 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 nothing, nothing mixed, no, not no adulteration, no to adulteration in music at least. So I'll tell you, I, I moved into into South. I didn't grow up uh, with South South Asian music um, in terms of my education, but I, I moved into it professionally because there was demand and there was appreciation and love uh, for the instrument and for my performances that I had not seen in other you know, just other clients, other, other concerts and other, other listeners and fans, there's like a deep passion for the instrument. That's, uh, it's fascinating to me. Um, so, so that's what, uh, what has driven me to, to produce more Bollywood music. Um, I like playing for people who really, really, you know, they don't just see his wallpaper, but they actually genuinely want to hear the notes and they want to, and they appreciate the music and, and the violin and the instrument. Right. Right. I, it was fantastic. I, I tell you, uh, I just look because I don't know you personally. I've just come to know you about you recently. So there was nothing to be, you know, uh, just be a yes man about it. If, if you like it, you like it. You don't like it. You like you don't like it. But actually, it was very, very good. And that is where, you know, talking of good music, Asher, and monetization. My question is like, how do you know, you have found ways to monetize. Can you share your tips and <clears throat> strategies how independent musicians can look at monetizing their good music, uh, their music? Even if it's bad, but people like it, it's fine. But actually, that's where, that's their creator. I may not like a particular sort of music. I'm neither an expert. I have my own tastes. That's very personal. But if people yeah. like it, then they should uh, earn a good good, uh, you know, enough living for themselves. Yeah. So uh, there, there are a number of ways to monetize your career. Uh, for me, it started uh, and, and happened for, I'm going to say, continued for about a decade before I moved into other forms of monetization, live performance. So that's sort of a no brainer. I, I hit the ground running when I moved to New York, went to college and I was working my way through school and people were booking me to play live music. So it was like, okay, I, you know, I actually got paid decently, uh, you know, in grad gradually, like, you know, uh, I'm going to say over, over the years. So, and then as there's more demand and you and you build a, build a name for yourself, that's what, that's when you're able to kind of uh, earn an income. I, I wasn't releasing music uh, for this, the streaming platforms uh, until I had already like did some like mini tours with my band and, and we were actually selling albums back when they had CDs. And I was like, 
10, 15 years ago. We were playing at University of Brand, you know, you know flying to like, uh, we're doing gigs in Florida, um, Georgia. I, I was working out in, in uh, Los Angeles doing, doing events there um, for many, many years. I was out there like sometimes every week. Uh, so yeah, I was earning decent, decent income doing that. And then, it, and then I sort of wanted to, I felt like I was kind of owned by, by, um, by, mar- by marketers and, and booking agents. Uh, and I didn't really have much control of my own kind of, uh, um, artistry. So, so, uh, royalty streams is, is something I, I moved into and I'm not earning like, you know, an enormous salary, like a couple thousand isn't, isn't like paying the bills, but it is, it's at least it, it's somewhat rewarding for the effort that I'm putting in and putting it on, on uh, platforms like Spotify, iTunes, people are buying uh, some of my singles and, right. uh, you know, I have a website, <clears throat> so uh, astrolab.com uh, slash uh, store, you know, let's get people are, some people are, are buying those albums those are other ways of monetizing some, some other ways that you might not have people, your listeners might not have considered is, is uh, earning income from, from like reels and, and streams. So if I'm, I'm naturally just each post that I'm, that I uh, publish on like my Instagram and Facebook, TikTok, that kind of the, those types of platforms, they're getting thousands of streams. So they're uh, generally generating some, some income over time also. So everything kind of adds up. And uh, that's why it's, it's, it's really helpful to me when there's they, there's they, they put my song on repeat and they, and they share, share my music uh, from Spotify and iTunes and Deezer. And, and cause that, cause that every, every stream uh, makes a difference and every stream helps to support me as an artist. So that's a few different ways. I'm, I'm uh, dabbling in royalty income from uh, you know, like video games playing my music. Okay. So that's another form of income. So, yeah, that's just a few. Producing music for other for other people on occasion also is what I do. Uh, releasing music, you know, get, getting hired to do work in the studio. Okay. So. And about live performance, uh, should it should it be you be dependent on uh, say agents, or should you just keep on marketing yourself and wait for uh, that thing to happen? How does it work better? Well, uh, I've. I have turned down possibly big opportunities uh, in retrospect that I, I didn't feel quite ready to work with record labels because I, as they say, um, you know, you want you don't want to be picked up by a record label when you are at the point where you don't need a record label. So I didn't feel like I was at the point where I didn't need a record label, and I didn't feel like my my fan base was strong enough and supportive enough. So I kind of rejected a couple of opportunities. Um, I don't, still don't know if that was the best decision. Um, I am always working with concert, prom- with, with promoters and, and uh, booking agents, uh, but I don't exclus- exclusively work with them because I don't, I don't have an, an, an offer that is like irresistible at this point. Right. Um, I, so I, I'm doing both. I'm managing myself and I'm being managed by people who I trust and who, uh, who I've built relationships with over the years and the people who I have the best experience with, I continue to work with people. I have not as enjoyable of an experience with who kind of treat me as okay. Kind of like an appendage that that's not, that those aren't people I look to work with anymore. Uh, so that's how I treat my career. It's, it's pretty fluid. It's pretty organic. Right. Uh, now, in, in terms of, uh, you know, I, I generally ask this at the end, but this time, uh, let me ask now about how can people connect with you in terms of uh, getting to know more about you, getting to buy your music, if others want to collaborate with you, Bollywood wants to reach out for original music. A lot of people have performed uh, here and then there, there are a lot of live performance. India is a big, big uh, market for Almost everything and music, you know, plays a very, very uh, special part in our lives. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I, there are many ways to reach out to me. The, the primary ways I'm going to say uh, fans DM me on Instagram, uh, sometimes clients also. Uh, I get a lot of like booking requests through my contact page on astrolab.com. I also have an entertainment group called FiddlersDreamMusic.com, which it involves booking of, of a number of, of different acts, including myself. 
So what else? Uh, people, people connect with me via the comments. That's something I really enjoy. And it means a lot. Uh, instead of just sort of passively watching my, you know, my content, uh, leaving comments and liking and sharing that type of stuff. That's, that's something I deeply, deeply appreciate as, as an artist. So uh, you can also find me on all major platforms. Just search the name Astrolob. Um, Instagram, Deezer, iTunes, Amazon, all those major platforms. Uh, and, and on social media, like I'm going to try to go live today. Uh, on Facebook, I tend to go live once a week. And that's that's something that, that people connect with me pretty regularly. So that's the gist. YouTube also. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, Asher. Now, so let's now come to your latest single, Atlantis. So you talked about it, but, you know, what is this about? Because, you know, when, when you talk about Atlantis, the music almost reminds me about the lost world of Atlantis. At least I yeah. don't know if that's the real meaning, but at least it makes the way the music has come out. You know, everybody looks at music the way their heart tells it them to, and they you know perceive it that way. For me, my my perception of this particular uh, single or music or violin that you played was a, that old world sort of a connection with something much more deep than it's very difficult to explain, perhaps even to you. But you tell what exactly this is all about and why did you name it Atlantis? Well, I guess I'm, I'm in this sort of epic state of mind watching all these Lord of the Rings series, <laughs> The Hobbit. I love, I just, I've just been binge watching it. Uh, <laughs> so, so I really can't get enough of like the, the epic medieval kind of experience. And, and it lends itself to the violin for sure, because that we're talking an instrument that wasn't invented yesterday exactly, you know? Um, the, 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 the concept of Atlantis is really kind of larger than life. It's, it, it gives, it lends itself to this kind of, like I mentioned, epic sort of perception of whatever the story is. So my, my experience has been pretty epic from inside of my brain um, um, over the last 20 years uh, in, in particular. Uh, and, I, and I'm referring specifically to my, my, my health challenges. So Atlantis doesn't have lyrics, like I mentioned. It doesn't tell you what to think, but inside my own mind, uh, it, it sends a message of strength to me, and I hope to to people that might interpret this song that begins with an ominous low and then a climactic high, and then repeats cyclically to um, an ominous low and then a, a cyclic high. And a, a the the reason for that is that it's really representative of the the, the highs and lows and the the many challenges that we face throughout our lifetime. And sometimes the highs seem really larger than life. And the highs that I've experienced are really, really highs. Uh, and I'm talking like playing major stages on some of the biggest concert uh, venues in the world, um, national television, those types of experiences where you feel like, okay, it's, this is going to continue, right? And then it doesn't. And then it, things end up uh, back at a low where it seems like, things are so low, they can't get any, like, could they possibly get any worse? And is it possible that things will get better? And it, they do. And it, it's a reminder to me and hopefully to other people that, that just because things are really bad or just because things are really, really good doesn't mean that they're going to stay that way. And, and we are, we are, we are human beings and we have uh, creativity and we have strength that we don't believe necessarily feel we can get access to until that strength emerges during times of stress. Um, and I think it's, it's a message of hope and it's a message of try to take just the even keeled path, um, temper your highs and your lows and you'll, you'll live, hopefully live a good life. And that's, that's, that's essentially my, my message. And that's, that's kind of my own guide. So hopefully that helps your listeners, you know, find some inspiration. The highs and lows of life from Asher Love. That's why you say my greatest failures were ultimately my greatest blessings. That's right. And uh, I still maintain that. And I hope to produce more music that relays that those messages, because that would be an example of departing from what I'm going to say is the typical message of a lot of the major music out there. It's a message of hope. People that are in pain looking for, for hope 
um, you know, not giving up on themselves. And but the, 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 that's the theme behind my music. Right, right. Music is the message of hope. So with this, it's a wrap mm -hmm. on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. But we will certainly play music of yours, your reel, as a message of hope for all of us once again. Thank you so much, Asher Law, for your time. It was indeed a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, it was a pleasure to be here. I, I really, uh, really appreciate your time.